Warning, Supernatural The Crossroads contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Welcome, everybody, to Supernatural The Crossroads. I'm your host, Thomas Cowley. Joined with me today is Ryan Denton. You know, the matter of fact, um, <laughs> fact of the matter is... You're a prick. I know. You couldn't I even am. get it right. I know. I fucked up my own fucking <laughs> and saying. Michael Flores. <laughs> and today we're talking about Season 13, Episode 20, Unfinished Business. Mm, story and of my life. We've got Richard Spate returning as director in yet another Tarantino homage style of episode this one modeled after kill bill while the previous one that i immediately remember is reservoir dogs this Look episode i know right i know some wow things. you're Every so now and then. smart sometimes knowing stuff <laughs> man now this episode gave us the entire background as to what happened to gabriel after the events of hammer of the gods it led us into the world of the norse mythology a bit it gave mm-hmm. us explanation that he's in fact not loki which was a bit of a confusing aspect that we when we look back at season five and the fact that odin's there but he's loki but he's not but he's gabriel and fuck <laughs> it don't answer ask too many questions <laughs> it could use some fixing a little bit Honestly. a little bit of tweaking yeah and then we gone from that we got a revenge plot in this and then we learn more about the world as a whole and we get to see a little bit more of Jack and Mary thankfully after way too long not it's knowing been what's a going while, on. Right? It sounds like a kid's riddle. Jack and Mary went up the hill to fetch a pail of water to fight an apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> it got dark over the years Jack that riddle. And Jill went up the hill to fiddle <laughs> to, to diddle <laughs> to fiddle and diddle to diddle each other. All right. Wait, what? no. Oh, now in this episode, we had Dab doing what he is known best for, which is going back and either explaining things that we had questions about that had been open ended or loose ends in the fandom mm-hmm. or giving us closure to things that we had wanted to see a little bit more of. And in this one, it definitely was the hammer of the gods aspect, explaining Gabriel's non-existent death and and giving us some closure with something that had just come up only a few episodes ago with this season where it had right. been and then I escaped and don't worry about it. So we actually get the insight into this one. And again, we get to see more of that. The the other gods and deities within the supernatural world, which also brought a lot of questions with that concept. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what goes on there. We've got the return of Apocalypse Kevin. Or- Kevin! In a, a little bit of an interesting way. I, I enjoyed it for what it was. I'll, I'll give it that. But we, we had Jack. Can we old, call him Harry Carey? Harry. Kevin. <laughs> Harry I mean, Carey Kevin. I like it. Harry, Harry Carey Kevin. There That's we go. Essentially what he did, right? Uh, and we, more importantly, though, I think we get to, two. we finally get to see Jack's character. And in this one, Gabriel's character move forward a little bit. Yeah. And we got some cool 
things, some cool insight to Apocalypse World with that map of the U.S. Now, hold on. Backtracking a bit to the Gabriel thing. Mm-hmm. Because we're fair, right? We're, we're fair. We're fair and I just think we are. demigods. You know? Oh, are we the demigods? We're, yeah. we're Xerxes. Yeah. yeah. So we are going to have a little bit of a retraction of sorts. Oh, oh absolutely. During our discussion, because some of the things that we weren't on board with, mm-hmm. they kind of fleshed out a bit and fixed some of the little issues. Some from of them, a, yes. Some from a couple episodes ago, for sure. The ones we were kind of. Not, not all of them, but some of them, and definitely in regards to Gabriel. In retrospect, it's a little better. Yes. So yeah. we will get into that. But of course, we've always got news first. So Ryan, what do we got today? Well, I've got an article here from EW, which seems like all the articles about Supernatural from EW <laughs> it nowadays. It's all from them. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They sold their soul to yes, EW. Yes, they, they did. did. Holy uh, shit. And they got dabbed. Uh, I'm just saying, that's that's a good thing. That's, so you're, so you're going to get dabbed? Yeah, that's a good thing. We sell our soul for we so we can get more publicity via EW, and they get dab. There you go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just think about it for a very long time. It'll take me a while. I'm gonna get it. I'll anything. get it by the end of the show. Um, Supernatural. Richard Spate Jr. <laughs> on finally telling the story of Gabriel uh, and Loki. Uh, spoiler alert. Who cares about that? Face spoiler alert. Alert. <laughs> alert. Alert. Spoiler. I was talking like Scooby-Doo. Raggy. When Richard Spade Jr. was told that he was going to direct himself in an episode of Supernatural, he didn't quite realize what he was getting himself into. When they mentioned to me that I would be directing an episode in which I also appeared as an actor, I was fired up. He tells EW, when I got the script, I realized I don't just appear in the episode. I'm the anchor of the episode in terms oh. of guests. That, that is pretty cool. Uh, and this, pr- He was probably happy as shit, man. I would think Directing he would be. And well, being able well, to act, portray distinct two, characters. Yeah, that's it fun. Says, I'm the anchor of the episode in terms of guest stars, and the second guest star is also me. <laughs> so that was an enormous challenge, but I, it looked really... Uh, looked at it totally as a positive. Not only did Spate end up playing two characters in the hour he directed, he appeared as both Gabriel and Loki, but he had to direct a scene in which Gabriel and Loki got into a fight and he was told it's you versus you directed by you have at it. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) That's actually really cool. Uh, Ultimately it all came together to create what Spate calls the professional opportunity of a lifetime. Though his co-stars Jensen Ackles and Jared Padalecki tried to warn him about the workload. The first time I saw Ackles, uh, when the breakdown Ackles Eccles. I'm just being Thomas. <laughs> sorry. When the breakdown for the script came out, he was standing there and Jared was standing behind him and they both looked at me like I had something green dangling from my face. They were like, dude, have you seen the breakdown for the script you're directing? I said, yeah, I saw it. Uh, Ackles goes, uh, your head's going to explode. I'm like, let's hope you're wrong, sir. So again, this is, uh, dude, this is actually pretty neat. Well, from a, from a work, as Mike said, from a working standpoint, that's gotta be not just interesting and fun, but very rare. It's very rare to be the director and the star the as it star. is, but to be the star and another character playing very distinct personalities, very different approach. Whoa, Jesus approaches to who they are, who that character is, what they act like, their demeanor, even their voice. That That's opportunity. As he says, an opportunity of a lifetime. That's gotta be cool. Yeah. He says, uh, and fucking intimidating too. Yeah. Oh, I would be nervous. Yeah. Basically, the entire episode is relying it on sucks, me. It's 100% on you. On you. It yeah. probably would have been even more fun for him if he was able to write the episode as well. 
<laughs> it probably would have been. Never mind. Uh, but the workload oh. isn't too much when it's a story you love. And thankfully for Spate, this uh, script contained a story he wanted to tell for years. I yeah. love the fact that they were telling a cool part of Gabriel's backstory that we hadn't seen before. That involved this other character that had been referenced, Spate says. I also knew there was a story here. I've been asked on stage at conventions many times, what story would you like to see Gabriel play if he ever came back? And I said for years that if Gabriel convinced a room full of pagan gods that he was Loki, he must look like Loki or he must somehow be able to fool them into thinking he's Loki. <laughs> there we so go. that means the real Loki is somewhere somewhere else. I would like for that real Loki to come out and those two guys confront each other. Yeah. Which we saw. Um but the story he got, which the credits, uh, which he credits to the episode writer Meredith Glenn, was for far more complex uh, than we would have hoped for. Uh, Meredith crafted this story that was layered and had the fantastic history that involved family and loyalty. He says uh, that created a real mix of: is Loki a bad guy or a good guy? Is Gabriel a bad guy or a good guy? And it kind of leaves these questions unanswered in a really beautiful way. So it was an absolute all-you-can-eat buffet in terms of the acting. But then uh, to be the guy steering the ship, so I get to tell the story the way I want to want it told. You can't do any better than that. That assignment is either going to crush you or it's going to drive you like dynamite in your engine. And that's what it did for me. I just thought it was the most exciting thing that's happened to me in the history of my career. And and honestly, Richard Spate deserves it. I mean, the yeah. guy has been around since season two. Yep. He's been a loyal supporter of the show. He's on the con circuit doing his due diligence. Yeah. And I feel like this is his reward. A, they've been bringing him back to, to direct episodes and his episodes for the most part have been really been fun. Solid. Yeah. And they're fun episodes as well. And to just kind of give him this one as well is, hey, you get to direct and do some double acting duties on your backstory. That's fun. That's cool. And it's got to be rewarding as, as a man who has kind of dedicated the last X 11 what? years yeah. of his life to yeah. a show. To Supernatural. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the fact that he says it's that rewarding just makes it feel all the better, you know, because if it was something that was challenging and difficult and, and you regretted it in some way, that would always, that would kind of suck to hear that story. Like it was a lot of work. I'm, I'm glad it came out all right. But the fact that he was so happy about yeah. the opportunity getting to do it. And like you said, that kind of reward that it's not just he gets to do this role specifically, but that it, they clearly took into account what he has said about the character, which I like that Supernatural's, the actors definitely have a personal investment in it. Yeah. And with him having been a loyal part of the show for years, it's nice to see that they took his own opinion into account when it came to writing it and making this episode. And I'm sure it made, I'm sure that he had some pointers for the backstory as well. Yes. He's not credited to writing the episode, but I'm sure they listened to some of that. Some of his his input. I mean, also Andrew Dabb is the one who wrote the episode way back when, uh, hammer of the gods. Yeah. He was the writer of that episode. So to kind of tackle and answer some open questions from nine years ago, Mm -hmm. I, I feel like it's fitting. It's the right person to answer it. I wonder yeah, if that I, bothered him for years. <laughs> what, Dab? Yeah. He's like, God damn it. I o- fix Odin that. is there, but Loki's here. How does Odin not know who the that, fuck he who is? Loki is? And how come we're not drawing that connection? Because honestly, in retrospect, I think it worked. It was the final season. Right. It was a great episode. Hammer of the Gods is one of my favorite episodes. Mm-hmm. It Your good. mind probably isn't really thinking or focus on that, but flash forward. Well, the demigods and all that wasn't explained either. I was like, maybe they're different entities entirely. They're not actually related. Exactly. Since he's actually Gabriel and Loki was just a common name for the trickster. Yeah. And we already know that folklore 
changes over varies, time. Depends on who's telling the story. So yeah, it, it never it wasn't a bad thing, but it actually, and we'll get into this a bit later. But it actually does make sense for the little fix they did. Yeah, and it it definitely plays a very personal story, not just for the characters in the show, but it, you got to think it's Spate has all the more invested in this one it's because he's directing. It's his character. Yeah. It's something he's been involved in forever. That that's really cool. That's something that Supernatural it should get more credit for is who gets to be a part of this world and what that means for them outside of just doing a show. Maybe yep. Felicia Day will get to direct her backstory. <laughs> I of her character. <laughs> what? So, Why is that? That that was so perfectly timed. No. Why is it's no. not, that's not supposed to be humorous? I'm being serious. No, no, no. It was humorous to noise, me. So it made me laugh. I agree with you, Mike, but no. he just was ready with that. negative Ghost Rider. I don't want that. Why is that negative? I don't Ghost want. Rider? I don't want that. Yeah. So right. Do you really want her? Do you really want her directing herself, Felicia Day, directing Felicia Day, playing Felicia Day? <laughs> Man, it sounds like an awesome episode that I really love to watch. I, I think she's gonna be. Um, I think, Day? I think she's going to play Ben Stiller's role in the next Tropic Thunder. <laughs> or not. Robert I'm a girl dresses a girl playing another girl, but it's basically me. <laughs> joke's yeah. on you. It's all the same. Yeah, person. joke's on you. I'm Felicia Day. <laughs> I'm Felicia Day playing Felicia Day, okay. directing Felicia Day. Right. I might all produce right. Felicia Day. Oh, God. Anyway. Maybe I'll write Felicia Day. Okay. You're I, good. You're good. I now. might keep going. Just drink a goddamn drink. I might keep going. No, I, I think it is a very cool way for him to be able to for this episode after all the ones he's directed being so good it's nice to see him get to be this invested in this one personally yeah and like i said and just outside of the show alone he's just a good dude and and like i said he's dedicated a lot of his career to this show and probably hasn't moved on because of the love and the passion he has for this fandom he's a super cool guy yeah so and you know it's his due right it's his yeah yeah he's earned it now, one thing we do have to mention real quick is that, guys, it is it ain't cheap trying to grow. It ain't cheap. It's not it cheap at cheap. all. He's getting real casual. Yeah. It's, it's a bit of a catch-22 that as we grow, costs as a result increase. It's, it's inherent in the business. And the only way that we currently offset this expense is by doing these shows, doing more on Patreon, and hoping that listeners want to subscribe to get all this additional content. And again, we don't do anything without actually providing... <laughs> Why does this sound so depressing all of a sudden? This is the worst! <laughs> Alright. I love it, Thomas. Go to, go go to Patreon.com. Hold, hold on, let's start over. Let's give them a, a better chance. Here we go. Go ahead. Re- re- read that live read again. <laughs> no, go, go ahead. You really want that? Okay, go ahead. Oh my god. Guys... We're struggling. <laughs> Storage costs are increasing as we grow. Here's a picture of a cheap. dog. We're currently in a bit of a catch-22, if you will. And we're growing, but we can't afford to. Ryan can barely afford the costs for his latent cum surgery. <laughs> and the only way that we can currently offset this expense, besides whoring out myself and Ryan selectively, is to continue... To do additional content on Patreon and hoping that listeners want to become subscribers. Oh my god. So head on over to patreon.com slash Rainman Digital and for a dollar a day, you can keep Ryan acting like a douche on the show. You can fund Thomas's say on the air and help me with my hair products. Oh my god. So head on over. What are you looking at, nerd? Huh? I thought I was looking at my mother's old douchebag, but that's in Ohio. <laughs> Geek Out Saturday. I've never been 
never been a fan of Superman because I was never a fan of that overpowered character. Oh, well, I'll shoot you then. Nope, I'm bulletproof. Well, then I'll cut you. Can't. You don't need an entire three-episode arc to give characters closure. There's little things that they're doing to give us that finale-ishness. That we, that's not even a word, but I just made it. <laughs> that's so cool, like, just to get that insight. And I think that's what makes this movie special for me. Right. Is that we have the Batman I grew up with. The Joker I grew up with. We shot him when we go to cons because he will chase after actors. Like, no, not if you're representing the show. If you're representing uh, the show, do not chase after these people, please. (laughs) Exactly. Catch up on your favorite Rayman digital geek shows every Saturday. DC on CW, Back to Tank, Weird West Radio, The Crossroads, and more. Geek Out Saturday on Rayman Channel 001. Listen from the Rayman digital app or tune in. Just search RM Channel 001. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, DEAL30, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And for your viewing pleasure, six free spicy movies on DVD. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. So go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code DEAL30. Again, that's DEAL30. Because without it, no free stuff. That's DEAL30 at adamandeve.com. This is Star Wars from the Butter Tinker All I'm saying is that someday we may be ready for a rated R Star Wars. But right now, putting the Star Wars name on things where people are already confused with Rogue One, and now you're throwing a radar rating, it's just it's too much confusion. It's not about disnifying, it's about making sure the mainstream audience and general audiences understand what's going on. Can yeah. you imagine that, dude? You, you go to see Star Wars and it has a rated R uh, rating on it. You're like, what? Yeah. What, what? What? What is this? And on top of that, it's kind of like, for those people, those fans that want a rated R movie, you guys do realize that Star Wars was made for a younger audience. Yeah. You know what? Go, if you want something more adult, just go look up keywords on Google here. Star Wars parody porn. There you go. That's mature content right there for you. <laughs> there's, there's lots of shooting in people's faces and uh, all kinds of things. TheBatTheTank.com For more details and get ready for an excitingly good time. Also, if you've missed our last show, well, you can also find us on your Stitcher app. Search Back to Tank. That is to your favorites. Thank you, and we will see you very soon. Previously on Supernatural The Crossroads. Of a character we had thought dead with Naomi. Something we'll talk about as the episode goes on. And we've seen that Lucifer's essential attempt to be something in heaven has fallen completely flat. I love how Ryan's review is a fart sound. As a fart sound effect, <laughs> yes. That just lets you know that I don't like something. Like if Really? I, I thought you used farts to prove that you loved it. <laughs> farts are great, dude. You can't. I love it. this episode. A+. <laughs> <laughs> 
I give this one five farts. I give this five nostril burns. (laughs) (laughs) Nostril burns. The severity of the smell is how much he likes it. I give this one a Chipotle fart. Oh, (laughs) nine out of ten Chipotle farts. Sponsored by Chipotle. He writes an episode based on how how on fire his nostrils are. Oh God. We're professionals over here. We have listeners. I don't understand how people listen to Welcome back, everybody. Supernatural The Crossroads. Now we're going to get into the discussion of Season 13, Episode 20, Unfinished Business. Ryan, do you have a synopsis for us? I do. Sam and Dean are roped into joining Gabriel in his revenge plot against the demigods who sold him to Asmodeus years prior. In Apocalypse World, Jack's boldness... And his battle against Michael leads to dire consequences. That's how I sound like a like a game show host <laughs> I was say, for a second. Thanks. Tell them what they've won. Like <laughs> Vanna, show them what they've won. Now, the very first thing we right off the bat, we get way a, a whole shit ton of lore for the North Norse mythology, which is something we haven't really delved into since fucking Hammer of the Gods. Yeah. The idea that Loki was the trickster, but was not necessarily the same Loki that we'd be privy to or that maybe was not related to Odin based on that episode didn't really bother me at the time. I f- assumed that it was just the world and how we understand gods is a bit different. Not every part of the mythology, the Bible, what have you, is going to be 100% accurate over the years. So that worked for me back then. Now, as we've delved into so much information so much explanation and new concrete rules to this world it kind of does beg the question how does all that work how does some of that fit together and in this episode we definitely get that with the introduction of these demigod i don't know creature god versions i'm not very well lore versed with the north norse mythology he explained it as being a north pantheon of begotten monsters that's what it was begotten monsters so essentially they're super monsters i, I guess I, like, but what does that mean like it's cool i think it's cool i think it, it works cool. yeah, it did work it was a little corny in some ways but i kind of liked the the flash of the animal beneath the skin that was cool, aspect actually well, with fits, each of these demigods it fits with, with what we saw in hammer of the gods too you remember how they right. were projections right they projected themselves on oh, the yeah, wall, right. their silhouettes, yeah. or there was also moments just like that. Where so, you saw what they kind of really were. The human vessel is just a facade. Yeah, so I think it worked, and it was interesting, and, mm-hmm. and I love expansion of lore or kind of redefining lore. Yeah. See, this is how you do it. We said a few weeks ago about how, when you retcon something, because this is definitely a retcon. Oh, yeah. Or huge, sure. huge retcon. But if you're going to retcon it, you retcon it for a purpose Yes. That will mean something to your story, which it does. And B, expand on it. Don't just retcon it because you're lazy at writing. Retcon it and then expand a bit on it. And they did. It left some questions. And I think that's the point. Like, I'm left wondering, what does it mean that they're begotten begotten monsters? Mm -hmm. Is the difference that they're not children of Eve? I, I assumed as much. See, when Eve was introduced as a concept, I always thought she was the mother of the standalone monsters we're accustomed to. Vampire, werewolf, you know, what have you. Plus whatever what she have makes. You, plus whatever other entities she creates. The pagan gods, the Norse gods, the Hindu and 
gods that we saw in the other episodes and beforehand, I always felt were these separate entities. And it does bring up the question of how do they become more powerful? How do they fit within this world? Does this conflict in any way with lore that's been established? And the fact that it's a retcon means you can kind of change whatever you want. In a way, it simplifies the hierarchy because we've always had questions about, well, how do these gods stack up right how do they measure in terms of chuck the the god of everything right the judeo-christian beliefs how and where do they fit in on all this and rather than answering all those questions and possibly minimizing chuck or the darkness or the void or billy the the reaper slash death there's so many other entities now that it simplifies these other issues that were kind of left to the wayside after the Kripke era. And by simplifying them, they essentially create lore and kind of bring something that was forgotten and make it more interesting. Well, even last episode, we had talked about retconning in general and why why you do it, why you have to do it after so many seasons. And I think this was an okay one. It, it, it made sense to do it. I mean, it, and they explained it pretty good, I thought. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously for a pleb like me for me to understand it i was like okay this is actually this makes sense and for them to retcon after this long like you you, we talked about last episode you have to do it and not just that but like to mike's point it seemed to fit because the way i've now the way i've always felt that it's been described in the show Mm -hmm. was that god and amara are light and dark the creator and destroyer of all creation meanwhile these other gods are very powerful entities the pagan gods are very powerful entities but they're Mm -hmm. not to the same caliber right and the norse gods being begotten monsters then brings up the idea that other entities can become more powerful than a simple monster they have a different whether it's a different backstory or they're one of the first creations essentially that that could be part of it or there's other fictions out there where belief in something makes it powerful but i think they're it's just a way to break through the eve situation eve is dead right how do we create more monsters how right, do we right uh, create other threats other threats when the person who makes monsters are dead how do we introduce new ideas and by doing this now you kind of have that door open where you can bring in various things that aren't necessarily connected to eve but can still be classified as monsters and again there's that question of what is the reason for this explanation okay is it a way to simplify and eliminate questions by setting them apart fine or is there an actual narrative reason for example we had theorized a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. about glither and yokoth I believe that's how you pronounce Blithier, their name yeah, yeah. from episode, I think 17, 17 the, the thing. thing. And we want to know how they fell into the hierarchy of gods and monsters. Cause they were called a God. Mm-hmm. So are these also is the Pantheon the same? Is it set up the same? Are mm-hmm. these essentially monsters? Right. And the way I have viewed this show and how it's put things forward, I feel like God and Amara or, or you know, creation and darkness are the most powerful entities in our at least universe. And then these other gods are some sort of powerful creature, but they're not something that was born of Eve necessarily. The Yokoth and Glithir could, the fact that we call them gods could be what many fictions and folklore and myth and legend, whether it's Bible, religious or or what have you, use that term for that a god is 
a creature that is so far beyond human capability and power level that it's something we don't truly understand a monster in this world has seemed like the human that was turned or the thing that goes bump in the night that can be taken out with relatively easy if specific means whereas a god is something that has this power that can be wielded by them whether it's zeus that we've seen in the show or the norse gods or odin or something else that we use, like the pagans, that used to be so powerful due to a direct one-to-one correlation between belief and followers and worship and their power level. We all kind of falling under God and the darkness. That's that's how it always kind of worked in my head. And I feel like this kind of solidifies that because they were entities that are beyond monsters, but they're not quite there because Gabriel as an archangel were he at full strength could easily have wiped them out. But the fact that he has to go in this kind of well kill bill style hand-to-hand combat which was so cool also worked it made it gave them a level difference if it was a simple monster i don't think he would even bothered with the specific stick that that you know if it was just a vampire or a werewolf he would have used the same thing over and over but yeah snap your fingers these things are stronger than that but not quite angel archangel level i liked i liked the fact that he had to use the different sticks i think it was it was very almost poetic and like you said it actually had a the As a stylistic a choice for yeah sure. it was a grading you know obviously the last stick is for for loki the boss, I, right? yeah for the boss i dude i thought that was cool man I, it gave it a it also gave it a, a a thing where it was like well if you know someone's gonna run off and do their own thing all they gotta mm-hmm. do is take the last one you know like it it made sense i like the fact that there was a level or like a it, you know it, to each it does guy. work but it but what also what makes a god? It's all it's all in the Is definition it, yeah. and in the act. Right. For example, if people decide to worship a pencil, that pencil <laughs> essentially is a god. So yeah. by that definition, so, so is it I'm so, a god? So if people, well, if you look at how gods come to be, okay, people deify anything. Yes, correct. Okay, so, so is it human error that creates the term? Essentially, look at folklore. If Folklore took a turn and encompassed vampires and werewolves. Okay. And somewhere along the route, instead of being afraid of vampires and werewolves, we worship we worship them, then they would also be defined as a god. Mm-hmm. So that's how you can look at how these monsters went. Somebody decided to deify Odin. Someone decided to deify Loki for whatever reason, and they then became gods. Gods, gods. right. The same okay. thing could have happened uh, for With werewolves and vampires. And Dracula. Yeah, so it just comes down to definition and how it came. You'd have to look back at stories, and then that's getting way uber nerdy, but I don't think it's essential to this discussion. However, again, these being considered gods can simply be the way the folklore or the story was how it was told, and that's it. Which I think works. That can be the only true difference between them and, say, an alpha vampire. No one decided to worship the alpha vampire. Right. The idea that worship and faith fuels their power that with the pagan gods we see that maybe they were simply a monster that feeds somehow off that belief that's why they needed to kill people in the previous older episodes right that they needed the worshipers in order to stay alive well look at the scarecrow from the episode scarecrow entity. Uh, what uh 11? 11 yeah 11 yeah. of season one i guess essentially going back now in retrospect he is also a, just a monster yeah the, the veneer kinda. and then they the kind veneer. of have They've kind of had that idea that, you know, you're not a god. I mean, when I think, I can even compare it to Marvel for a half second, that they call the Asgardians gods, but they're a different race of alien, and that's truly what they are. So that these are called gods, but they're just a different type of monster. 
But at the same time, by going, and this is a problem that you have when you have a show that's on for 13 years. It's not a bad problem, but by going into this level of detail, we do kind of lose the mysticism, the, the intrigue, the, oh my God, the power behind these entities when we kind of realize they're there's a monster. Yeah, it does take it's just something. a werewolf now. It takes something <laughs> away. It kind of takes the fangs away from them a bit. A little bit. Yeah. Because when you hear in Hammer of the Gods season five, Odin is here. You're thinking, oh, shit. That I, I've, you know, seen movies and video games where yeah. he's a character and I've read comics. That's pretty cool. Or Shiva because she's hot. Mm. Or that. She got some nice boobies. But, but then when you go to... <laughs> This and it's like, well, they're kind of monster, misbegotten monsters that have a following. Well, then he's just a werewolf in the alleyway that may be a very powerful one, but a werewolf nonetheless. Hmm. So you do lose a little bit when you put more definitions on, and that that comes with so many years and retconning and explaining things that we have questions to. So sometimes you don't want to know all the answers. I want to know everything. And one of those answers that we got in this episode was the fact that Gabriel is not, in fact, Loki. He is Gabriel and Loki is a separate entity, which when you look back at the Hammer of the Gods episode does solve the bit of that issue of if this is Loki or that's what he's known as. Why does Odin not recognize him, not have a father son relationship with him, not say anything about it? Why were they not connected in any way? And. From a lore standpoint that had been established in the show, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. But again, we kind of, well, maybe Loki is a term that he's used or a name based off of a fictional entity that we just kind of ran with it. Instead, we find out that it's in fact two separate people that, and that kind of works. It it does make sense for me. The fact that Loki is the ultimate trickster to where he can pull off that to where even his own dad doesn't realize. Well, it also fixes the issue that I had with with Gabriel coming back and not being dead. It made Lucifer look silly. Yes. Lucifer being fooled by Gabriel's tricks and not really dying was just more like character assassination of Lucifer. Yeah. It makes him look Before silly. Before they explained it, absolutely. Right. It makes him look silly that he couldn't figure out his brother had tricked him. But now we find out that Gabriel was actually using another form of magic that was taught to him by the real Loki. And now suddenly I'm okay with Gabriel being able to trick Lucifer into thinking that he was dead yes why is gabriel here why does it matter that he's back that remains to be seen however he is back mm-hmm. it's, and, a, it's it's a fact he's and here rather than character assassinating lucifer and making him look like just an idiot that he didn't realize his brother tricked him mm-hmm. this kind of fixes that a bit for me at least for me because that was part of my complaint for what two or three episodes ago yeah, yeah. you, you, you had brought ago. that up that, that it was, was like what well, yeah. are you telling me lucifer doesn't know realize that yeah so the fact that this is potentially a different magic of sorts that lucifer is not aware of it becomes more plausible easier plausible easier I to guess, swallow to, yeah, yeah absolutely sometimes you just got to make things easier to swallow sometimes you do yeah now the Gabriel they, they have gels for gag reflex. <laughs> yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah. Numbs your throat, right? Thomas would know. I haven't tried them yet. I'll oh. let you know. All right. <laughs> now, the idea that Loki is not, or Gabriel is not Loki, but they look exactly the same is an interesting one as well. Because is it that... It brings up questions. It brings up a lot of questions. That First was of all, the one why? Thing, yeah, that was the one thing that I 
I was confused. If Odin by. doesn't recognize or talk to you in any way, then why do you need to look like him? Is it because you just like the look? Well, the idea is the vessel have a massive dong, and that's why all the porn oh, stars are after you. Dang, Casa Erotica 10. <laughs> 10 inch. That's exactly yeah. Gas erotica 10 incher. I can see choosing that vessel then. Yeah. You know? Well, okay. So the the whole explanation was he needed to look like Loki, right? So that Loki could go even another level underground from what Gabriel already was. And then Gabriel can also hide. Right. Using his name. Right. Okay, fine. That works. That, that works fine. if you want to explain it that way, but it brings up the issue pertaining to a vessel. Doesn't Archangels don't archangels. Archangels have to have vessels. Yes. Okay. Everyone needs all the angels need a vessel. What is this? What is it? A vessel? I would is think it, it's a vessel that maybe he just makes look different. I so mean, he doesn't really look like Loki. Then he maybe just, he originally he didn't. Look, maybe he got plastic surgery <laughs> like this, i know this is getting really maybe it's an stupid, illusion but it, maybe it's an illusion then why hold on to the, the illusion if he's no longer hiding why not turn into another face now because he likes the look it's just it's it's dude it brings up a it's lot a, of questions it's, it's a weird it's a yeah. and i know it sounds very nerdy that we're asking these questions but these are the types of questions that you start thinking about well, like well nerds. where's the vessel Who's the vessel? Why do you still like Loki? Mm. Going by your your explanation, you decided to take on the name of Loki in order to hide from your responsibilities and be somebody else, right? right. Okay, well now the cat's out of the bag. Yeah. Why are you continuing to look at like this person? You see, if Loki, when they had killed the real Loki, had like or any of the Norse gods transformed their features and looked very different, or only Loki because he was always wearing an illusion yeah. and looked like some kind of monster corpse at the end there that probably could that would have solved it easily what if he, what if he's just lazy what if he's just like man fuck this i'm not changing my vessel i just yeah. want to stay the, the way that i look huh? all right fair could enough. be that yeah that, that was it i fixed it <laughs> simple <laughs> jack it. fixed it fuck it that's the answer look yep. at castiel there has been reasons why he never leaves his vessel right established because reasons that one definitely it, has a massive dog it's no longer even really a vessel it, it is it's but a it was it's hollow been, angel vessel it's been recreated yeah. by god so that's an explanation yep gabriel's it just makes you wonder like well dude who's your vessel and it's an unnecessary question and it might be like you said us being super nerd nitpicky but it when everything else has been explained like castiel's has mm-hmm. it makes you ask now regardless of what he looked like Loki's interaction oh, Loki. with Gabriel was fantastic. I loved that scene where he's just, he's calling him out 100% calling him a coward, calling him a failure that he stands for nothing. I love that line because this is something that we had talked about since he had escaped. He's like Rosa Parks. <laughs> she stood. He stood for no one. The we've That's been asking this That's question. <laughs> Thanks for rectifying that. Well, Ryan's looking at this face. I mean, like I Ryan said, always horrible. makes faces. <laughs> but it, it it solves a question that we had since Gabriel left the bunker and since he killed Asmodeus mm-hmm. was that it seemed like a bit, and this is where we kind of go back and take back what we said in some way that it felt that Gabriel undid his arc. By the end of season five, choosing to stand up—is that up like and undoing fight, your pants? Yes. a little bit, just as easy. Gabriel it, though had a a, a button fly. Uh-huh. That takes I, more time. Yeah, it takes more time. That's why it took longer for him to undo <laughs> his own arc. 
Yeah. Okay. The yeah, idea is angel wings yeah. to block accidental eyes whipping out yeah yeah like dude the last thing you want to do is you accidentally want slip to, out yeah like, oh slip god out. i'm sorry about that oh my god there's Angel my wings activated penis. cover it like jack style <laughs> <laughs> now <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> what was that laugh don't, don't like, worry about it yeah. that was horrifying you're but horrifying. It, it, i know it solves the problem of it seemed like he had undone his arc by the end of season five where he chose to stand up against lucifer and then died for it but when he, it turns out he had just escaped, it made it feel hollow that there was no real change to his character. And having that explanation of Loki saying, you always are a coward, you're a failure, you've ran away, you stand for nothing, kind of allows that bridging of the gap that from the end of season five through now, while we may not have seen it, he stayed the same character. It gave a definitive, you always were like this. Yeah. And that was the strength of this episode. Yes. The strength of the episode was the emotional arc for Gabriel. The reveal that he does not stand for anything. And the fact that it bothers him. Yeah. And obviously. When push came to shove, he was a coward again. Yeah. Running away because he doesn't want to stand up for anything so i did like that and i also like the the poetic side of it that it's him saying it. it's loki right. it's it's like looking in a mirror exactly it reminds me of when dean was having visions of himself becoming a demon yeah way back in what season three right yeah and it did a lot for his character and i, I and we were talking about bringing him back if you're going to bring him back you got to have some relevance now that he's here they're handling it accordingly. Yes, we didn't yes. like what they did a few episodes ago, but now they're giving Gabriel a reason to be here and a reason why he, I should say, issues. Yeah. They're giving him issues, which is vital. You don't want to have, especially you got to clip his wings. You got to, you can't make him have be team Winchester with full strength. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise they're unstoppable, right? Yeah. And it's potentially. That's why Jack is gone in, in the yeah. other universe. And Castiel has kind of is off in this episode. And He's I cheating on Dean. Yeah. <laughs> He's getting after With it. some Southern Texas. Yeah. <laughs> he was in Texas, remember? I, yeah. He, he was, loves his cowboys. He was at the Black Star again. Is that what it's called? <laughs> it was the yeah. Black Anus, not the Black Anus. Oh. The Black Anus. Wow. These yeah. are great steaks here at Black Anus. Yeah. I love the I meat, love the meat Black here. Anus. Yeah. It's so big and long. Oh. It's so filling. <laughs> what is this? Ten years old? Oh my god! No, I. You're right, Mike. They had they had to nerf him. I mean, like, and for him to not be full powered, it's kind of like the. Isn't that the standard nerf for an angel now? Like, but it's oh, not in a way that he's not full power. It's not in a way that feels like stupid bullshit. The well, fact that he's gone. It's not even the grace issue. It's the, it's the it's emotional. And, yeah. yes. Emotional and mental. He's gone through some shit. And he has that moment with Dean and <laughs> Sam in the hotel room where he's like, you don't know what it was like every day being tortured like that. And especially for a character that's so powerful and that had always been able to outsmart people and had always been able to avoid conflict, avoid the problems of dad versus Lucifer and Michael is following orders and just avoid confrontation to have no escape, to be captured and trapped like a dog. And there's nothing you can do about it day after day. Mm -hmm. It works for him. It makes his whole suffering and, and wanting this vendetta makes a little bit more sense and it does fix the whole you have to have his death have weight to it 
because now he, he's ran before and look at what happened to him. He got put in a situation where he couldn't run. And the fact that Dean calls him out saying that this, this revenge is not going to solve anything, which I was interested that Dean of all people said that isn't like has a little Dean, hypocritical. I was going to say is that's a little hypocritical because we've seen Dean basically have a vendetta for his like, life. What, like three or four times. He's, like, he said it. He said yeah. to Sam, "Yeah, that it doesn't fix anything. It never ends well." So he was calling Gabriel out, but he was right. also alluding He's to moved the on fact himself. He was alluding to the fact that he has firsthand experience in that. Hey, it never goes well, well when we're only focused um, on revenge. revenge. Yeah. And Sam is definitely the one who comes to Gabriel's side at that point and understands that he understands that torture at the hands of Lucifer. He understands what it's like There's that Gabriel there. has been through. Yeah. Yeah. And the the PTSD aspect as well. I mean, we already know season eight, that was Carver's spine for for his for his season, the exploration of PTSD using Sam as the temple and to bring that back using Sam's own experiences, his own issues, his own tragedy he's been through, and mm-hmm. to kind of parallel that with Gabriel, he is the perfect fit to to kind of console Gabriel, just like they did last episode with Rowena and what they've done for the last two years. I love what they're doing with Sam in terms of kind of pairing him up with some of these characters and showing that he can be relatable and he can help people. And mm-hmm. it's very conducive with what they're doing with Sam for the last two years, making him the leader. When you're a leader, you don't just say, all right, guys, here's the plan. I'm going to pick a gun. You got a gun. Let's go kick some ass. That's not being a leader. <laughs> a a leader is not just giving out the plan the leader is also emotional support and that's why i feel like it's very on par with what we've seen of sam since dab took over starting with season 12 it's a very much a part of his fabric and his characterization he's connected with a lot of characters this season and i think you know we've always seen sam kind of do that but i think this season has been really heavy with him connecting with the characters and i think yeah Absolutely. And I'm okay with that. Because he's grown. Yeah, he's He's grown grown so much as a character. And I think, you know, even the last episode with Rowena, that was so powerful. It was, was, it was powerful. And And especially when I think back, it's going with our retro perspectives, thinking back to Sam season one, where he'd be the whiny one saying, you don't understand what it was like. My dad was mean. And seeing him now being that character who says, I know what you're going through and I'm here to help. Whether that's Jack or Rowena or Gabriel. He has grown as a character. It's it's fun to see that, to see how much change he's gone through in these 13 years. I just, think, I just think it's awesome that he he is so relatable to these characters. And I think that's ultimately that's what gets these characters to join the team. I, I think yeah. if you really think about it, he connects with Rowena. She joins the team. He connects with Gabriel. He joins the team. And I think Sam is the biggest proponent for these people to join the team, like, like, even with Jack. Yeah. He's the one that convinced Jack to help. I mean, yeah. I think, I think in the, it, this, this entire season, this arc is about Sam is about Sam connecting with these outside characters and, and bringing the air quotes well, especially, team together, especially with the threat that they all face you can't one man all right, and I, with a gun do this. And I think that's where the parallel with Dean this season has come in where Dean's been always like, Hey, we can do this on our own. He doesn't want people to help. Mm-hmm. And I think Sam is like, Hey, we need help here. This is like apocalypse and, level shit. And we, we see help. a little bit of that. And we'll get into this here in a minute, but we see a little bit of that at the end of the episode with the fact that Dean's in some way trying to play by the old rules that he's afraid of what they could lose because, and some of that comes from the fact that he just got all of it, not, not all of it, so much of it back 
with with getting things back after having lost them, you fear losing them all the more for some characters. Some feel like that means nothing. Then they can they can go on with life without worrying about it. Others hold so much tighter to those things. And Dean is kind of doing that. Whereas Sam is the one who says, we're in this together. Rowena, Gabriel, Castiel, you, myself, even catch Jack. We're in this together. And at the end of the episode, when he says, we'll die together. Right. I think it's very telling of where Sam is at. He is the leader of this group now. Yep. That line at the end, dude, I, I put it in our chat. That was like, whoa. Yeah. Okay. But we'll, we'll get a little bit more into that. Uh, yeah. I just he, he's very empathetic, and I think yeah. I think that's his strength for the last two years. The fact that he is first off, he's willing to talk about his emotions, and even him going up to Gabriel at the end of the episode and ask him if he's going to be all right. He knows he's not going to be all right, and he knows that Gabriel's yeah. lying to him. But oh, he yeah. wanted. I. It, it came off more as, "Hey, I know you're not all right, but I'll let you say it." And yeah have that moment mm-hmm. right and it does work because he has been through that and i and i liked the whole gabriel talking to himself aspect because it finally has pushed him to act somebody else some human saying things that you got to help us with this other issue was never going to provoke him to action but hearing from you know your reflection that you are a failure you stand for nothing you will all, the revenge will not solve the issues you have within yourself with who you are, that requires change. That requires you to act and no one else can do that. And that's the thing that a lot of stories teach us yeah. is how to act, how to, mm-hmm. how to deal with these elements of life and how to live. And Gabriel's going to have to act. You can't bring him back to do the same number, you know, run away. Right. So exactly. they're moving him into place. They're getting him ready to do something big. Which makes sense because we know that Michael is now the big bad. I and mean, it took is us he? quite some time to est- to establish something that we think we, we kind of already knew would be the main antagonistic threat, if not the main character we would be delving with. Can we finally say that he is definitely the official big bad? I think we can bad. officially say Apocalypse Earth Michael is the official big bad. As so Medeus, by episode 20, we can finally say. Episode 20. No, no, episode- no, I'm not being sarcastic. I'm being serious. So by episode 20. We can finally say that Michael's the big bad. Yes. Yeah, I think so. I think the question of whether or not how far Jack may go off the wagon and and what ultimately... Jack wagon? Oh, fuck you. What ultimately... (laughs) That is horrible. Well, yeah, that's all my jokes are. Simple Jack. (laughs) And then he laughed like Fire Marshal Bill. Yeah. No, that was my (laughs) laugh from the dude from uh, Billy Madison. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, that's just molesty. What the fuck was that? Shut up. The fact of the matter is we don't know if Jack will still go down the path of the dark side. There have been a lot of those illusions and we still see more of that in this episode. But Michael is definitely the main threat at this point. We can say that now to me, I still got very much the star Wars parallels with Jack saying, I, I can almost hear you over as you underestimate my power. Like he's so confident that he can do this, that he has the strength the the just raw power and he's all giddy telling mary yeah we killed balthazar which i i cried a little bit inside because it's like fuck we don't get to see alternate version balthazar and his you know but then again you underestimate my power <laughs> exactly thank you <laughs> don't do it the 
<laughs> the fact that he's just telling Mary, yeah, we, we killed all them and we kicked their ass and we saved 30 people. It shows how naive he is because Mary's the one there saying she has experience. That's well and good. In more than one way. Oh, and catch is going to come back. Yeah. Mm, or she can teach Jack. Oh, oh Jack, let He's, me show you where to put it. Oh. <laughs> well, he did it wrong then. Good Lord. God, what is that? A fucking Anakin soundboard? <laughs> Jesus. Now, the fact that Mary knows. <sighs> wow, that was violent. That you have a problem by rescuing these people. You now have to figure out food and, and shelter and clothing and resources and weapons and Jack is so focused on doing the right thing. It shows how much of a child he really still is. He doesn't consider the other ramifications of war, of his actions. He just thinks, I saved people, and that's all that matters. And it's something that Bobby and Mary and the rest of them realize isn't the only thing, isn't the only part of this conflict. And? And his overconfidence <clears throat> is directly going to play into him screwing the pooch. We see that a little bit in this episode and he gets a set back a bit by the fact that he doesn't save everyone. He saves Mary, but he's still, I think going to be making mistakes moving forward. The fact is while Jack might be and for all intents and purposes is probably more powerful than Michael. He's not as experienced and that's again, a direct star Wars parallel where that is overconfidence is in the ass. It'll bite him in the ass. <laughs> yeah. Because Michael will play into that. Mary alludes to as much that she knows combat, that Michael knows combat, but just running in there overconfident is how you make mistakes. And the fact that that happened Do in this episode. you think Jack's faith in his friends is also his oh, weakness? Oh, fucking jeez. <laughs> See, I, I knew the first one, but I was like, yeah, it's not too bad. We'll move past it. That was too on the nose, too deliberate for fuck's sake. <laughs> I think they should throw in wipe them. them out, all of them. I wonder if Jack hates sand. <laughs> I'm wondering it's if they're going to show it just how it gets everywhere. I think they're going to show everyone just how operational his Death Star is. This best battle station is. <laughs> all right, all right. This got to stop. Say? That's got to stop. The <laughs> that's got to stop. That's yeah. Now we got to see <laughs> Kevin. Kevin. For, <laughs> <laughs> shit for like a fucking half minute yeah, whatever it made me laugh I'm not gonna lie you laughed <laughs> I did laugh I laughed you're fucked up because I liked his acting it was very convincing that he thought he was doing the right thing and this guy has been through some serious shit in the apocalypse world he did a good job he did a great job he did very good didn't care whether it was lies and memories like Mary said but he just wanted his mom back wanted his old life he back wanted an escape wanted it to end that's dark that's fucking dark yeah. dude and I liked it a lot the idea that he rather kill himself and other innocent people just to be done with it yeah, we, we've seen the apocalypse world. We know it's violent, but I, I don't think until this point we really saw how depraved, how how sad it is over there. Yes, there's a lack of you know color saturation, and there's a lot more demons, and people are dying. But we didn't really see the despair. We just heard people talk about how fucked it is, and we've been in war for eight years. This was where we see the toll it takes on human life. 
with Kevin. And we needed to see that because we, we, we keep all we keep we keep hearing about this threat. It's so bad the over here. You should Michael. see it. The, he was just here fucking some people up. You missed it. Right. The threat of Michael. The threat of Michael. Look out. He's coming over. But well, he seems like a pretty cool can he, dude. Can he fucking get here already? Like, what does he really do? And I, I feel like this is how you bring back characters again. Like we mm-hmm. already seen him in the beginning of the year. Obviously, they knew they were going to use him again. I feel like this is a strong way to bring a character back and then remove him from the board because it did add something that despair said more than anything else we've seen happen in the apocalypse world with the angels attacking with the, with the angels zapping the humans out of existence. This says more than all of that. The Mm -hmm. fact that he's willing to kill his own people and end his own life to stop the pain. Yeah. That that's real warfare, I think, at yeah. that point. It's not the combat armor, it's not the death toll so much. It's the complete breakdown of people, mm-hmm. of hope. And and Osric Chow did a great job bringing that to life in that scene. So, kudos to him. Yeah, and uh, another send-off, right? Yeah. And Twice and again, now. A way that works though to like we said before, move the story along. Your your supporting character is not just brought back a way that is hey look at them here they are it's brought back in a way that moves the story along what if his like he died by his eyes burning out again oh, <laughs> would that have been rough you see his corpse and it's still got the eyes blown just out fucking like this just, oh, Jesus. a little note a little post-it note on his chest again yeah <laughs> uh, is knew, that the first time we've ever seen someone use like a Enochian symbol and like blow themselves up no uh, Gadriel did that in season oh, yeah, nine to right. break out of heaven's prison. That's right. That's right. I mean, I love that scene because you could see the seriousness in everyone's yeah, face yeah. when they knew what was about to happen. And the fact that Jack was able to save Mary. Oh yeah. Inside his wings. First off, kudos. Dope. We've never seen anything like that before. It's, these are the types of things that I love. Cause it's very simple. We've seen the angel wings before, yeah. but have we seen them be used, used no. as a way to, no protect someone protect yourself or protect someone no that was fucking cool and not just that we know this enochian blast should have theoretically killed angels so we know that jack can just tank that hit no problem yeah it's an it's an enochian blast it killed all those people evaporated them disintegrated them is that an official term an enochian blast it is now (laughs) okay it sounds like it while in prison prison, gadriel experienced an enochian blast uh, blast. Like it's like a Hadouken. It's like a Hadouken. Come here, man. That's awesome, the, actually. G- Gadriel having done that before, we know will take out an angel. So Jack didn't care. It it didn't harm him, and he was able to protect Mary. That was pretty fucking cool I because it's it. one simple shot that while we have, as you said, Mike, we've seen it before, but the way in which it's used, we learn so much more about him and his power mm-hmm. level. It makes you wonder what can actually hurt this guy. Well, because you would think Michael wouldn't use like, oh, I'll use the slightly weaker version of this. You'd think he'd use the full on full strength version. Now, we know based on what Donatello said that uh, a Nephilim is multiplied by the strength of its father, right? Right. It's stronger than the father that uh, sired it. Yes. Yes. So we're dealing with Lucifer here. Very powerful. Yeah. Second most powerful. It's going to take a lot to kill him. Do you think he's stronger than the darkness? Uh, I would say no. 
I personally would say no. Yeah. Because well, Michael as an arc level. Because Michael as an archangel still needed to team up with demons, heaven, the Winchesters, and God to take on the darkness and still didn't do a good job. Yeah. So I don't see it him being that powerful. Perhaps one day, if he continues to grow in strength, we don't we don't know what that's established like, but I think right now, no. Not by a long shot. So I mean we see more of Mary and Jack as a whole that they have developed quite a close relationship over their time in this apocalypse world. She is trying. I I like that line where she says, I can't lose another boy that she is in her own way, repenting through from the things she's done in season 12, the, the being kind of an abandoning mother at some point where she wants to just stay in that dream at the end of season 12. And Dean has that heart to heartbreaking heart to heart with her she's trying to fix that touching and it's hard not to get swept up in it just because we're so emotionally invested in the winchester right in the winchesters but did it feel a little contrived and and no contrived and forced a bit like we haven't Um, yes they've been through the ringer we get that they've been fighting side by side a little bit because we haven't seen it enough right i I think it would have meant a lot more and would have been a lot more impactful to the narrative and even more foreshadowing if it's meant to be if we had seen them fighting a lot more, if we had yeah. spent more time in the apocalypse, we're just like told. actually see the battles. Well, that's the thing is we're just told, yeah, and I killed all these guys. You should have seen it. Yeah. Like that's, oh, that's the okay. biggest problem with the apocalypse world is that we're told so much, but we don't have, we don't have anything to show us how bad this is. The seeing the demons, seeing the landscape and seeing the state in which Kevin was in, gave us far more investment than any of the other stuff that they have said has happened. For all we know about Michael and how evil he is, we haven't seen him do anything other than beat Lucifer, which we kind of want to do ourselves and then imprison Mary, which, okay, yeah, that's bad. That's one that was thing hot, though, well, but apparently it also serves another purpose for some of the audience. Yeah. She was tied up. So we have only been told so much about him. Yeah. I agree. I think if we had seen it a little bit more, it would work, but it it could still be bad for them. I feel like we're, we like Mary and we like Jack. We so, do, yeah. so it does work. I'm not saying it doesn't, but it would have been, but nice. does it work because we like them right. or because it was written well? Yeah. And they're relying on, on past relationships to move the narrative forward. Yeah. The emotional side of things. And I find that works, but it would be nice to see that a little bit more rather than being told. Right. So hmm. we'll see as we move forward. Do you disagree, Ryan? No. Okay. Not at all. Now the RMD premium live video feed access and quarterly gift tier is now here. That's right. We've boosted our quarterly gift tier on Patreon with video access. So now not only will you receive exclusive gifts every quarter, but you also get up close and personal during our live shows and recorded sessions. All when you sign up for the Get Gifted Plus live video access tier on our Patreon page. Receive exclusive RMD and Supernatural The Crossroads gifts every quarter along with video access and all of our lower tier content including produced video casts, additional podcasts, behind the scenes content, hundreds of hours of bonus material all for just 15 bucks a month. So if you guys are interested in that head on over to patreon.com slash Digital. And look at Ryan. <laughs> every, every time you just start dancing you just gotta it's dance. great you just gotta let it you just gotta let it out dude now 
we touched on this a little bit before, but let's get into the Sam and Dean aspect of this episode. There's Dean's been an interesting character this season because for some people he felt too mopey, too sad, but we really enjoyed that in the very beginning because he was consistent with what we know from having gone through the horrors of the end of season 12. And he's been pretty consistent throughout most of this show throughout 13 years. It made sense. We know Dean, we know what he would go through. We know at the very push to the very breaking point, he would ask God for help. Something he's like never been interested in doing before when he had nothing left. Now, the last few episodes, though, seem a little bit inconsistent compared to the last 13 years. I had a th- I have a theory on this and I and I'm going to bring it up and I kind of it just dawned on me thinking about Dean in general and, and kind of the fact that he's suddenly changed in the last couple episodes. And I think not the last couple. One. Yeah. Well, you know, this what I mean. episode. You, know you know what I mean? Um when we when we got season five and we got towards the end there, it was kind of the same Dean. It was, you know, hey, I want to be, uh, you know, keep track of my 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 brother. I want to make sure that he doesn't get hurt. Mm-hmm. And I think it was all because of the apocalypse. And I think if they explain this, if they explain Dean's flip in his character is the fact that, hey, there's an oncoming apocalypse coming and he's changing. He's flipping into like that, you know big brother mode. I want to save my brother Mm -hmm. because of the oncoming apocalypse. I could, I could stand the fact that he changes, but I feel like they need to explain that. Right. Right. I don't have a problem with him changing. I think a tone shift is fine, but this was really sudden. Dean's actions felt a little inconsistent with what we've seen Dean in the the beginning of the last several episodes. Now, if this was, Episode six, seven. Yeah. Episode six, seven, eight. It would make more sense because he was morose, but he hasn't shown these types of problems. Yes. Last episode or two episodes ago, he threw things around when they lost Gabriel. Got angry. He was angry. This wasn't suicidal. I'm depressed. Dean. This was just emotional. And they, I know they talked about it with the Rowena episode with death and him wanting Mm -hmm. to die. And they, they touched on it. And they showed us that he never shared those thoughts with Sam. Now, they're reminding us of the way he acted at the beginning of the season. Right. Cutting out the middle part. He hasn't been acting like that. This is a guy who's been happy most of the time. He's positive about a TV. He's positive that they have a plan. Made a man cave. Right. He has goals to get, you know, to shoot for, which is what he needs. Suddenly, he has a death wish in the middle of the episode. Yeah, and that felt weird. It felt like it came out of left field. He was so morose. I agree. I just what I meant by saying that is that we kind of saw the same type of Dean in season five when the yes, but it was was, consistent. It was consistent, and I think if they explain his shift in tone and shift of in this episode to that, then I would be okay with it. They've got to explain it though. Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. it it worked because Jen says acting. He's amazing. And I feel like as it. soon as he turns it on, I think you're immediately invested, but you can't take your writing and and, just, and yeah. re- have it rely on the performance of the actor. Yeah. I, I feel it's like sloppy. it just, it just 
it feel it feels like they know the end is just around the corner. There's three or four episodes left, and they're trying to oh, shift shit, the tone. Wait back. a second, we didn't realize that we changed the tone. Yeah, and uh, Dean's emotions are not erratic right now, and we need it to be coming up <laughs> on the season finale. And they're reminding us. They're they're giving us that classic Winchester moment that we all love. We all wait for that Winchester moment at the end of our episodes where they bring relevance to an episode sometimes that has no bearing or validity to the main myth arc. That's why it's the classic Winchester ending because they take a Monster of the Week episode and they bookend it with a Winchester moment and you're like, oh, this is great. And they attempted to do that again, but Dean's actions were kind of unwarranted because you're just like whoa whoa whoa, hold on what what just happened well because he goes from happy about the tv they got making a man cave positive about getting mary back and all that stuff and then this happens and the whole time he's talking about that loki's revenge will not solve anything and he's so down and bitter and just wants it to be over they're trying to it give does, us ominous foreshadowing yeah. that's it what does. they're trying it to do it feels sloppy though like it, like you said if it was at the end of Castiel's return or Mm -hmm. around that time or if we hadn't seen him be happy and be a gangster and then be in a in a cartoon all these other things that if they had just cut the middle out right that's kind of what they want us to do with him as an emotional character it was let's have his arc and his character move down this emotional path we'll put a pause button on it we'll have some fun then we'll come back to it this episode could have came even after immediately after returning from the mid-season premiere yeah I mean, because of what happened and him pulling a gun out on Kaya or this mentality and, and the fact that he was caused her death, essentially, yeah. by forcing her to do something. I mean, where where's that? We don't know why he's acting like this suddenly. Unless, as you said, they're they're prepping setting us. it up. Yeah. With the last three episodes of the season are and, and the the gravity of Apocalypse Michael being a threat. Are we going towards something dark you definitely feel that from how him and sam are talking that he will always protect him the that he die for him and sam's very telling we will die if we die we will die together i love that 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 scene was so good great i I have no problem with that scene i it just should have been more of a build to get there because it just was too sudden and and plus when sam said hey you know, we're going to die together. I mean, that's what we have been saying since day one. Yep. Didn't we say how that's how the show has to yeah, end? Yeah, that they're going to go riding off Either into that the or they sunset. Ride off. Either Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid or they ride or off Thelma into the and sunset. Louise. Yeah. Like, it has to be like that. But the fact is, when it feels weird when this is the same episode in which Dean's been smirking and listening to Gabriel yeah. talk about porn. Plus, yes, the tone of this episode didn't fit Dean's that final shift. moment. Yeah, it's just it's just weird. The whole thing's kill Bill and revenge doesn't solve your problems, but hey, look, there was porn stars and alcohol. Oh, by the way, now we're back to where we were half a year ago. Yeah. With Dean. It just it just felt like a real big shift partway through. Yeah. But it was a nice moment. Oh, absolutely. It always it, they always work, even if they don't make sense. <laughs> they always work. Yeah. Now one little bit of things that was kind of cool, that map of the US. That was that was, that was interesting. The there's different. The U.S. is chopped up into different segments, and I like the little risk pieces. Although that absolutely felt like a plant. Can I buy this map, please? <laughs> As a poster, I would hang this on my wall in the studio here. It would be pretty sweet. That yeah. would be dope. Well, look at the um, VW on Twitter. Is the one who tweeted me the picture. 
And because um, I was actually going to pull it. So he saved me some work here. Hold on. I'm going to turn my head so I can read it. And he mentioned the state titled The Void. Yeah. There's a like two state, three state section. Yeah. So there is some questions. What the fuck happened? It's really cool. Why is Louisiana and, fucked And why this? are there states? Did the angels create zones? Yeah, districts or whatever, because they have the Western District, the Great Barren Plains. And what type of war is really happening? When you think about it, they're waging a war war? with humans. What can humans really do against the entire might of heaven without having the Winchesters on board? Or in this version, is Lucifer the one? Because Lucifer in our universe wanted to end humanity because he felt that they were a plague. Bugs. Maybe that's Michael's game now. After solving the Lucifer problem, he now sees humans as these disgusting creatures. Or reshaping reshaping the earth in a way that he thinks is going to work better. Why else have the great barren plains where America gets a lot of its food source from? Dude, I love it. Starve them out. Make places uninhabitable. Narrow down their safe zones until they're just a few remnants of a resistance. Is the final shoot down or hoedown happening in Texas? Is that what it looks like? They said yeah, the south. It looks, it looks like, like Texas or Louisiana. Yeah. That's awesome. Why is Remember there, the Alamo. What is that? Like there's rain as well in the center. Is that rain or something's dropping like droplets? Do you yeah, see I that? Just, I saw that too. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I'm not certain. I, th- this the flooded area or some shit like this that. This uh, creates, raises so many questions that I have as, as an Uber nerd. And it makes me wonder if possibly we should have an entire season. An apocalypse. Ooh. We're going to talk about that on a special show. Oh, that'd be fucked. Okay. (laughs) Okay. We'll wait on that then. Yeah. Son of a bitch. All right. Well, so with that, let's get into our final thoughts here. Then we'll go to Facebook for some comments. Ryan, what did you think of this episode? What did you give it overall? Um, I actually enjoyed this episode quite a bit. I mean, I've always been a pretty big Gabriel fan. So... I was I was okay with how they explained him essentially in the last couple episodes not dying. I loved how they explained the whole dichotomy between him and Loki and just the overall explanation. And and honestly, and I said this earlier, but like retconning doesn't bother me as long as it makes sense. And they actually did a really good job of of this making sense, like mm-hmm. not actually being convoluted and and you know, it it seemed like a smart retcon. Um I love the story between the I, – I, I like Norse mythology. So the story there with the different blades and the and the leveling, almost like leveling up or hitting the mini bosses before you hit the, the real boss is totally kind of nerdy video game for me. So I did like that aspect. Um, I, I have to say it. Jensen and fucking Jared were amazing in this episode. Um, there was a couple scenes where Jared uh, or Jensen's face, like just his facial expressions when like uh, Gabriel's talking or Sam is talking were really funny and really good. And it it seemed like they really played that sarcastic asshole kind of. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I enjoyed that. And I know we see that a lot, but I felt like these were really well timed and just the faces he made were really good. Right. Um, uh, the special effect with the whole Loki hologram was really freaking cool. I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of a stable as we know from like even the Marvel, like the whole Loki. Yeah. It, yeah. It's yeah, just a stable for the, that. for that character in general. doesn't matter if it's Marvel or whatever it is. It's just kind of a, but I thought that shot was really neat. Um, I dug the whole kill bill. Vibe. I agree with you guys. The music was a little, it was, a, it was a little lackluster and it seems like they kind of skimped on that. They could have probably, you know, pumped a couple dollars and, you know, <laughs> and maybe bought some songs it, going for that kill bill vibe. Yeah. 
Uh, but other than that, I really liked, I actually really enjoyed the episode. I think, you know, there were some things lacking. I, I love the whole, uh, the shot with Kevin and the, and the Enochian symbol on his chest. Yeah. And that was a fucking awesome shot. Um, Wait, so, which character? Kevin. Kevin. When he had the Enochian and he hit it and it was like burnt blue. <laughs> that one. Yeah. It burnt blue, you know, blue fire. And, um, <laughs> so no, I, I, I enjoyed the episode. I, I, uh, I think it was, we're, we're getting kind of hot and heavy here. Um, oh, you know, with, oh, with that's uh, a different thing. That's a different show. Yeah, that's a that's a that's, that's a premium. That's a premium <laughs> show, guys. Um, but if I uh, hope the Hollywood show does a Casa Erotica parody. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! That, <laughs> oh fuck! Now that's a Patreon channel. That's pay for. never gonna happen. <laughs> hey guys, um, for our next parody, yeah. we're gonna be doing <laughs> Casa Erotica. Your woman voice is terrible. Shut up. <laughs> shut up you're right but shut up um i'm gonna give this one a solid b i All enjoyed right. the episode quite a bit a My, solid b what's a not solid b solid b so passing is 80 percent. a solid b would be 85 percent. so right in the middle look at you sound all professional like a teacher <laughs> thank <I> mean, you <laughs> maybe you can teach our kids and not go on strike well i wouldn't <laughs> i wouldn't leave red for ed all right mike what are your Who thoughts is ed, by the way i was just curious i don't know yeah some guy not me Jesus. Mike, what were your thoughts on this episode? What do you give it? Um, I like the emotional parallels that were drawn between Sam and Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Pairing him up again with someone like they have done with Rowena. Uh, Sam becoming the face of humanity. I love it, especially when you look at his past and how he was the vessel of Lucifer. And yet he always is that one person. And I always go back to that episode. I forget the episode number, but I believe it was season five when they needed to destroy the warehouse. I think it was season seven and Bobby. Wait, no, it wasn't season seven. And Bobby told Dean, look at that boy. That boy has not stopped saving people yet. Mm, And you just see him going in and saving nonstop. It's so, it's so staying true to Sam's character and to continue to see them do stuff with him like that. It's rewarding as a fan and his ability to be empathetic continues to show us that Sam has in fact become the leader that they were talking about in season 12. If you remember, that was one of their plans that they actually, you know, followed through with in a really good way. And it was bringing Sam to the forefront as the leader of the group. And even though they're not drawing attention to I'm the boss, I'm in charge. Sam oozes leadership qualities. He really does. Dean is a badass. I'm not taking away from Dean, but But he's he's a soldier. Yeah, Sam is emotionally strong and he's able to help because yeah. as a leader, you, you, you don't just have you great plans off the handle. and you don't just have great stra- strategic plans. You have to be emotionally capable of holding the weight of the team. And that's what they've done so well with Sam for the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, and the expansion of lore. Uh, and the describing of the new hierarchy of how the gods versus monster works. I feel like it works. It, it clears up them th- some things for sure. It creates a little bit of questions, but yeah, not too much. But nothing horrifying. Yeah. I give this episode a solid C plus. Okay. For me, this, this episode's a uh, little in between. It's a little bit of a mixed bag because I loved the breakdown of kevin i thought that was a real highlight of that episode to see firsthand how the apocalypse earth has affected these people and not just have it be told to us was very effective i thought that he did a very good job having gabriel confront his demons by 
and whether or not it was revenge that didn't that never mattered but hearing loki call him out call him a coward say you stand for nothing mm-hmm. it finally pushed gabriel into becoming Gabriel and not pretending to be the trickster. It pushed him out of the role he has always assumed into the person he's supposed to be in a way in which they wrote it, that it didn't break what happened in hammer of the gods. And I'm, I'm very thankful for that. It's more of an extension of that element, yeah. but it works. And seeing that Gabriel has now changed his tune, he is now more on the Winchester side. Mm -hmm. I think that was a very good move. I like that a lot. Yeah. Well, it made sense. And seeing Jack be super confident, but then immediately get you know hit in the teeth at the same time is nice to see that while he does have the power to perhaps win this, he could easily screw up. And to see him kind of finally understand that even a little bit is nice. So I think the character movement, character development in this was good. It's, we see Gabriel move into who he's supposed to be. Yeah. We see Sam acting in his leadership role. We see Jack learn that there are limits to who he, to what he can do and his powers. So for me, all that was great. The, the problems I had was some of the lack of explanation with things. Jack and Mary feels like it's just very much, we're supposed to trust it, that they have a relationship and we haven't seen it. Yeah. The Kill Bill style wall fun kind of fell flat for me and i'm not sure 100 if that's music or the fact that the revenge plot felt token when it, it worked from a, st- a storyline standpoint but it didn't feel that important ultimately yeah, it I, I, there. it's hard to put my finger on that exactly yeah. and simply the idea that this dean at the end acting so different and that you're asking me to essentially remove the middle five, six episodes of how he's behaved in order for his actions right now to work feels out of place. So for me, this episode's a B minus. I enjoyed a lot of it, but I think it has some some problems as well. Now, Richard Spate has done, I think, what, five episodes as yes. a director. We've ranked his episodes before as far as how well he's done. I, I think we should do that again, right? Uh, shit, all right. So we've got season 11, his first one, Just My Imagination. We've got season 12, episode 12, Stuck in the Middle with You, the Reservoir Dogs style one. Ah, that's right. Twigs and Twine and Tasha Baines, War of the Worlds from this season with Lucifer returning from Apocalypse Earth. And then we've got this episode, Unfinished Business. Now, Mike, you're the you're the resident director here, so I'm going to go to you. Now, why do I got to go first? Because, because you're like speaking smart base, and shit. Speaking base your answers on mine, cheater. Uh, actually, I'm just going to say everything that Mike says. Does that get me out of it? There yeah. you go. Perfect. All right. Um, this, this is hard. Twigs and Twine, Tasha Baines. Because he likes I think is my favorite. Just because the entire, the tonality of the episode was just on point. It was hor- horror. horrifying. Yes. The true meaning of horror. You're dealing with body horror. You're dealing with the loss of your body without even knowing it. Everything You're you an are. avatar. It, it was, it bothered me. Yeah. I sticks with you. I was when I, when the episode ended, I was uncomfortable and that's how a good horror should affect you. Uh, oh no, I take that back. I'm sorry. Just my imagination is number one. I forgot okay. about that one. Just my imagination is just take, your, take yourself back to season 11. First off, it was one of the strongest seasons we've had. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. And not only did they God, take episode great. the episode, a relatively comedic episode 
and turn it into something meaningful. Well, well, it was so good. So good. Uh, so that's number one. Twigs and Twine and Tasha Baines is number two. Stuck in the Middle with You is that's number three. Yeah. War of the Worlds is four. And number five is Unfinished Business. Cool. So I don't have to go then because that's pretty. You're easy. just going to copy. Absolutely. <laughs> Give us some reasons. <laughs> well, I mean, just my imagination it was like you said, Mike, they took in a, they took a funny episode and they gave some absolute serious tones to it. And I think if you can take an episode where you have a fucking imaginary friend and you can have, that's a, not your hand. That's, that's not your hand, <laughs> not your left hand, your right hands, your never mind. Yeah. Um, and give it a, a really serious tone is pretty impressive to me. And there was just some scenes in that episode that were so fucking good. So funny. So funny. Like just the, the you know, the, the mom walking in and like not knowing that there's a murder scene there. Like, Oh my God. So fucking good, dude. Like you can't, you can't even compare, um, twigs and twine. I just, it was something we haven't seen before. And I think that's yeah. what I really liked about it in that we've seen golems and we'd seen things like that, but we've never seen someone who has a, a, a character that has the consciousness of a real person but isn't real at all yeah what a great piece of lore yeah. like i'm not a lore nerd like you guys that one was like whoa this is fucking cool and, and I, it's terrifying it's terrifying imagine not knowing you're not real yeah dude like, that's, that's fucked up yeah. man talk about messing with your brain and why dude. the hell have they not gone back to that they they have oh, to. they i hope to they god have they, do, to, they right? left it open-ended right yeah yeah so as far as the other ones i, I mean I, those two are are the tops um I liked unfinished business, but I do agree with you. I think it's no, it's not. Yeah. It's not a bad episode. It's yeah. just, I, I think that's just, I just, I think that's the fact. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's some, the fact. some of the episodes are stronger than the others. That's all. Yeah. For me, I have the twigs and twine at the first one because that one stuck with me so much. It is horrifying. You really like that one, dude. It, I, body horror creeps me out. The existential crisis creeps me out. It's the perfect setup for a spinoff show with these characters where you are, you lost everything and your sister doesn't know that she's a avatar reincarnation, you but you think? love her just the same. Like that is some fucked up stuff and it did a great job. And, and the inhuman motion of the stick people creeps me out. That episode was fantastic. Just My Imagination comes in as number two because of how funny it was. And as well as that, despite the humor, him as a director was able to get such a strong performance out of the imaginary friend character and uh, Jared Padalecki that at the end of that episode where he's terrified of going and revisiting Satan, it it just the weight hits of the you episode. right in the home, yeah. right in the fucking heart. It felt like a Kripke episode. You it remember did. Kripke? And uh, I, and I, it, I, that's it. It really fucking does. It felt like a Kripke episode because Kripke and Gamble both were able to juggle silliness and heart wrenching and seriousness. Pain. It didn't yeah. turn hokey and cheesy. It was just silly because of the tone, but it still meant so much. And that's why Just in My Imagination was such a good episode because it was yeah. emotionally heavy. It's dude. But through the lens of comedy, man, it was fucking good. Uh number 3 I've got stuck in the middle with you because it's fantastically done, but it is Tarantino's style for mm-hmm. all intents and purposes, which is yeah. the only reason I, I have it at number 3. I actually have this one, uh, Unfinished Business is number 4. Because while it didn't exactly work for me so much, it's fun to see him as the director and two of the main actors and how he brought that to life while being so different. I have War of the Worlds at the end simply because out of all these ones he's directed, it's the one that is the least memorable for me. 
and and in that respect that i i didn't re- remember distinct aspects of how it was made or or about it it has to fall into fifth place no fucked up <laughs> i mean do we have time to go into the next episode or are we gonna wrap it up the next here? episode the little little teaser uh, simmer down dr we gotta, dre we gotta uh, <laughs> wow, oh, wow what time are we at Smoke good lord it's day. time to close out oh good lord yeah we night. gotta go yeah, we've only got three episodes left, so we're we might just go straight into waiting for the next episode to talk about oh. it at all. Oh my god! <laughs> three episodes, season thirteen, rapidly coming to a close. We want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen to us tonight mm-hmm. or on demand, and go to Patreon, help us out because no joke, we are struggling, and I don't think we can keep going. Well, that's a downer. That's a well. <laughs> if things, wow. if, listen, Take us in the wiener. We're making money. We're bringing money in, but our it's weird. We're, we are seriously in a catch twenty two, Thomas. Yeah, where no, we are victims of our own success. We're doing well, but as we grow, it costs more. It costs more money, and I financially can't keep up. We have money coming in, but anything that can't that it can't cover, I cover it. Right. So, and I is it financially feasible to keep doing that? I don't know. So we do need help. Don't think we're okay, like we're not. We need, we need, we need support. And <laughs> the eyes All of the angels. smiles, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> As we say that. Yeah. So thank you guys for taking the time to listen to us, and we will see you all next week. Later. You little maggot. You are no longer a part of this story. Hey, ass butt.